verse 14, says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Today I want to talk to you on this subject. God has more for you. God has more for you. You may be seated. The key text that I want you to focus on in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 14 is where it says, the communion of the Holy Ghost. The communion of the Holy Ghost. Now I told you the topic today, the headliner is God has more for you, but I want you to look at what it says here in verse 14, the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you. In this text, the word communion refers to participation and fellowship. That word communion is not talking about a communion service that we do, but this word communion is talking about participation and fellowship. I believe you've already started this morning participation and fellowship. I believe that God has already prepared your heart for what he wants to say to you today because there will be and there must be participation and fellowship. When we commune with someone, we participate with them in conversation. When we commune with someone, we participate with them in conversation. Communication at its best is a dialogue, not a monologue. A monologue is a prolonged talk or discourse by a single speaker, especially one dominating or monopolizing the conversation. And so when you are uh, given a monologue, it's just you speaking and just you uh, saying what you want and saying how you feel and you're just d- d- having a discourse. And so when we go before the Lord, if we go before the Lord in a fashion of monologue, then what we're saying is we know more than what God does. What we're saying is we we we, we need to do more talking than God, but If you're going to go to God and you're going in the form of monologue, I'm here to tell you today that you more likely than other times won't get a response because a monologue is for you. It's not for God. Hmm. We must commune in dialogue fashion. Dialogue is conversation Between two or more persons, it is speaking to someone and receiving a response. How many times we go to God and we pray and we talk to God, but we never get a response? You think that's what God wants from us? You think God wants to have dialogue, but but, but not talk back, but not let you feel his affection? I don't think so. But I believe it's where our heart is and how we approach God that will determine if we will get a response from God. And so I want to go to God in a, in a way of dialogue and not a way of monologue. When you are in dialogue, 
as I said, is speaking to someone and receiving a response. It is an exchange of words. It is correspondence. And so if we're going to go before the Lord, if we're going to be in his presence, it must always be in the format of dialogue. And I believe God has shown us just a snippet this morning when we gave him the opportunity, when we gave him the opportunity to to get involved, he will get involved. Can I tell you, I don't want to just have church to come and do what we want to do, but I want when we have church that it's us coming to worship God and God being here to say, I'm going to transmit that to you. I don't want to come into the church and all I want to do is what I want to do and not allow God to do what he wants to do. When I leave the house of the Lord, I want to leave saying, God surely visited us. God surely did what he wanted to. That's how I want to leave the house of the Lord. And so when we gave the spirit of the Lord the opportunity to just do what he wants, the musician started playing. He didn't know why he continued playing. You know, we, you are Alpha and Omega. You know, what people just got up. Nobody told them to get up and they lift their hands because that's what happens when we give God the opportunity to get involved. We can't do church as usual where we do what we want and God is absent. We got to let God get involved. Let there be dialogue. You give and God gives. You worship and God does something. I want God to be in our services. I want God to meet us. I want God to show us. Dialogue. Apostolics have been known to be people of monologue. We like to tell stuff. We like to express what's on our heart. We need to let you know how knowledgeable we are. We need to let you know we understand there's only one God. We we want to let you know you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And all of that is true, but we can't just get our agenda out and not give get a response back. In the absence of participation, if you're going to roll out your, your, your monologue, there's absence of participation. In the absence of active participation, we become spectators and not participators. I feel like, since I've been studying this all week, I feel like every time I come before you, I want conversation. I want dialogue. I don't know if this is right. I don't know any of that. All I know is I don't want to come to church and just give my monologue to you all the time and you just listen and I'm just the one just saying and saying, I need you to get involved. I need you to give me some response back. I need you to say amen. I need you to say "Uh uh-uh. I need you to say something. I need you to do something to the Lord. Worship. I need you to pray. Do something. But I don't want to stand here and give you a monologue for it's not what God's will is. God wants participation and not spectation. Uh, we become uh, observers of the Holy Ghost as he moves in the lives of others, but he is unwelcome to move in our life. Can I tell you, I need to talk to you. God told me to talk to your heart today because I gave him an opportunity to speak to me. 
He said, talk to their heart tomorrow. And so I don't want to preach to you. I want to talk to you. And, and, and so God wants to help you this morning. And so I, I'm trying to tell you when the Holy Ghost, you can tell when the Holy Ghost is moving. I don't know about you, but when I first got in church, and I may not have had the Holy Ghost yet, but, but, but I knew the Holy Ghost was real. And I knew I wanted the Holy Ghost. And, 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 and I saw when the Holy Ghost began to move throughout the congregation and people were falling out and some was talking in tongues and some were, was running the aisle and some was lifting their hands. It was different kind of behavior because the Holy Ghost was moving. But I didn't know much about what was going on, but I wanted to be a part. Whether you have the Holy Ghost or you don't, you should desire to want to be a part. As God's Spirit moves, as God begins to do what He does, you need to say, God, how are you going to do that with them and not do it with me? I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to praise you because I want you to do to me what you're doing to them. I'm not trying to sit around and say, God know where I am. If he want me, come get me. Well, that's what we do when we just sit around and we don't participate. What we're saying is, God, if you want me, you can come get me. But, hey. Or we might just say, well, you know, that's just them. I'm not the real emotional type. Hmm. I don't want to be in church and watch others experience the moving of the Holy Ghost. And I just, I'm just there. I need to be a part. I'm so glad the Holy Ghost operates in a dialogue fashion. All right, you need some help. We give ourselves in praise, and God responds by inhabiting our praise. <laughs> oh, yes. The Holy Ghost operates in a dialogue fashion. And if you don't do anything, nothing happens to you. It's like the Bible says, faith without works is dead. You can't know something and then don't do nothing about it. Well, the Holy Ghost, he operates in a dialogue fashion. If I praise him, he will inhabit my praises. God is a God of reciprocation. If you give to him, he give to you. He give to you, you give to him. Relationship, communication is what God is wanting from us. We talked about in Sunday school. Those of you that was in Sunday school know the answer to this. But we asked the question, what is the devil's greatest job? What does he, what is he trying to do the most? What, 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 what's the work that he does the most? And what, what is he all about? And the answer was to destroy your relationship with God. That's his whole deal. Satan's whole deal is to destroy your relationship with God. As I was saying that, the first thing my mind thought about was, oh, so I'm supposed to have a relationship with God, and it's good and powerful. That's where my brain went. I'm not worried about him. He's going to do his job. But as I'm saying that Satan's job 
is to destroy our relationship with God, it means we are supposed to have a relationship with God. And it's the single most important thing that you can ever do in your life. Because the devil knows that. And he's smarter than you. The devil, the, the devil, the devil not trying to get you. I told you, enticement to sin is just the setup. Sinning is not the complete job of Satan. We get hung up on sin so much. And I'm not telling you I'm condoning it. I'm just telling you the devil got us tricked. He make us focus on you messing up, you sinning. When his ultimate job is, if I can get them to get comfortable with sin and now walk away from God, then my work is done because my job is to get them to walk away from God. My job is to get them to lose or walk away from their relationship with the Almighty. So so when he entices you to sin and you sin, don't think he's saying, all right, all right, all right I got him. No way, nowhere close, because his ultimate job is let me ruin them. Let me stop them from having a relationship with God, because I can't have one with him. I will never have another one with him. And so I got to destroy everybody's relationship with God. That's what he's trying to do. And so the Holy Ghost, he is a dialogue Holy Ghost. He is a reciprocation kind of Holy Ghost. And so we speak words of praise to him for who he is, and he speaks strength into us. We show love to him, and he shows love back to us. Reciprocation, participation, communion, participation. That's what God is all about. And we can't see God today, but his presence is here. He, he is here right now. And so what do you do knowing that he's here right now? Knowing that the Almighty is here, what will you do? Will you let demons be better than you? Oh, Jesus, we adjure you. Oh, Jesus, have you come to torment us? When demons saw him coming, you think they try to come at him? They started crying out, Jesus, what have you come to do? And those are demons who have no hope that's bowing down and crying out. What should we do when the presence of God is upon us? talking to you. I just get a little excited about, you know, the things of God. What am I trying to communicate to you today? God wants participation. He wants communion between you and him. He don't want this stuff of you sitting on the side or you observing everybody else. He wants you to get involved with him. Revelations chapter 3 verse 20. I'm talking to you. Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. You got it on the board there. Here's what it says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Who is that? Okay. If any man, see, participation, I can't even help myself. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. If you look at that text right there, we're dealing with communion and participation. Well, c- come on, that's what God is after. You think God created you just so you can just be chilling by yourself? 
let me take a detour. I've been encouraging you all to purchase this book and to read it because it's very important. Made for more. Made for more. This book talks about that you're, you're made for a whole lot more than you can imagine. And it gives you different teachings on, to preparing, on, on preparing for where God has taken you, your eternal destiny. And, and, and this book lets you know that, yes, you were made for more. And Brother Sam, I'm going to have to pray for you a little extra hard. But Brother Sam have come to me. He said, Pastor, I've purchased the book and I've been reading it. Man, and I'm just so glad to hear Brother Sam say I'm reading it. And it's working in his life. I'm sure his wife can attest to that. And he said at work, he pulled his guys together and told them, listen, you may see me behave a little bit differently. You may see me act differently or talk to you differently. I don't want y'all be mesmerized or be uncomfortable. It's just that something is happening. He's reading this. Brother Sam, I'm going to have to battle for you. But that's what God got me here. Y'all keep Brother Sam in prayer. I, I know your adversary, and you'll learn that as, as, as you decide you're going to get involved with the Lord and you're going to do what God really, with the purpose he put you here to do, here they come. And I laugh at Brother Sam all the time in, 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 in love because when Brother Sam came to church, Brother Sam says, I, I'm just a loner. I just like to be by myself. He's still trying to figure out what's going on. I'm sure he is. I didn't talk to him about this part, but I'm sure he's still trying to figure out, how can me holding on to my values as a loner, how can this be happening to me? I'm pulling my guys together that I work with and telling them this stuff. I said, Sam, God got a funny sense of humor, and he's slick. I don't care what God wanted to say about that. I tell him, I said, Lord, you slick. Because you be setting us up all kind of ways and we don't really understand. And so, Sam coming to church, I don't really mess with people. I'm a loner. I don't want you to talk to nobody. And now he's telling his guys at work, if you see something different in me. And God is just going to continue to work in his life because he's going to have answers to give his guys. Because that's just how God works. But he never saw himself in that kind of predicament. He just know, all right, I'm just going to church. My wife found a new church, and I don't mess with preachers like that. I'm, I'm talking for him right now. I don't mess with preachers like that, so she can go ahead and go. But you know what? At least let me go check him out at least one time to see what's up with him, see if he's legit or not. Because all them preachers out there, I don't know about them. And so that's what was on Sam's mind. So he came to check us out. How long ago you came to check us out, Sister Idea? <laughs> he's still checking us out. <laughs> But we thank God for what God is doing in his life. But made for more because God has more for you. I want you to leave here today understanding that where you are is not even close to where God wants to take you. I I hope you can get uncomfortable and dissatisfied with where you are. Not in a bad way, just knowing that I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere in God. I can't sit around and just be a spectator and watch what's going on. If God has taken me somewhere, I need to be excited about where I'm going. We're looking for a church building, and I'm so excited about where God has taken me that it doesn't matter what building we get or don't get. It, It don't matter to me. All I know is this, we're going somewhere. 
and we're going to a place. And so whatever God has in store for us, we will have it. So if it's this building over here that we just looked at or something coming up or this one right here, it doesn't matter. We're going somewhere. And I thank God for it. God has more for you. And so he says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. God wants communion and participation. When we hear his knock, when we hear God knock, Brother Sam, when we hear God knock, we need to take action. When God begins to pull on your life, when, when you're living a life that, 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 that is separated from God, when you're living that kind of life and you feel God pulling on you, you need to do something. We don't need to keep the door locked. What kind of door are we talking about? The door of your heart. When you feel God tugging on the door of your heart, you have to take action. And a lot of times we lose out on God knocking at the heart of our door because we just simply will not respond. Our emotions and our desires seems to get the best of us, and we don't let God in. So when we hear his knock, we need to take action. We need to open the door that he may come in and sup with us. We need to open the door. Somebody say, I need to open the door. The door of my heart. God, God is knocking it doesn't matter where you are today in God, there's more. If you ever come to the place where you think you got enough of God, or, or you're where God wants you to be, you're in a lot of trouble. I don't care how long you've been living for. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much you fast. But at the end of the day, if you don't realize that where you are, God has more for you, you're in trouble. And so he knocks. And he's looking for us to take action. Because he wants to come in and sup with us. That's God's plan. God wants to come into your life. God wants to enter into your life. God wants you to make him a part of your life. And so he's at the door knocking. He's at the heart of your door, at the, at the door of your heart knocking and said, will you let me in? Will you let me come in? Will you let me have relationship? Will we sit down and break bread together? Mm, help me, Jesus. Ah, that's his plan. He wants to bless us. God can only bless those that he come in contact with. All right, that might sound a little awkward because you figure God can do whatever you want. Sometimes we think that what's going on in our life is God when it's not. God bless that which is his. God bless that which he's involved with. And so we can deceive ourselves and trick ourselves a little bit and say, whatever we want, but God will come in and bless you if you let him in. 
if you don't let God in, God can't bless you. If you don't let him in, he won't bless you. Okay, let me put it that way. You don't let him in, won't bless you. And so we can say everything we want, but let's use a little common sense here real quick. Why would God want to bless you for not being in his family? Because if you're getting blessing without being a part of what God is doing, but without being a part of him, why would you want to be a part of him? All right, let me talk to your heart. It's no different than a lot of times men live with women for a long time and they never get married. Why? Mm-hmm. I got to get real close up now because so, I want participation. My father-in-law says, if he's getting the milk for free, why buy the cow? Okay, I figure you'll respond to that. Well, it's the same thing with the Lord. Why would he just store up blessings on you when you're not living right? Tell me about that. You might as well just live wrong. Because if you can get the same thing living wrong as living right, why live right? So now let me repeat my statement. God will only bless that which is his, what he's involved with. Yes. Yes. Remember Zacchaeus? We talked about him Thursday night. God didn't bless Zacchaeus until him and Zacchaeus met. Then he said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. It's when we fellowship with God, we get the blessings of God. It's when we have, have, have communion with God is when we experience the blessings of God. I know how we think and we want all the goodness of God without any communion. God don't work like that. God, God wants participation. This is not a one-way street for God. He wants two-way street, two-way street. He can't, he won't operate on a one-way street. He's not going to do everything or you can't do everything. He needs two-way street. He is not pleased when we are spectators watching spiritual things but not participating in them. Here's one. This was my whole thing here. I was meditating on the word that I'm going to present today. And here's some of the thoughts that God is dropping on me. Listen to this. Do you go to the restaurant and not eat? Do you go to a restaurant, whatever your favorite restaurant is? Do you go there and just sit at the table and say, we're just going to have water today? Don't work that way. Do you go to a party? And not engaged in the activities of that party. I don't think so. I don't think so. Of course not. We go to the restaurant for a purpose. That's to eat. We go to the, bar, the party for a purpose. And that's to engage in the celebration and the activity because we're celebrating that person. So we go to those places for a purpose. Can I tell you this? One of the missing ingredients in our life in coming to church, we come to church with no purpose. We go to the restaurant with a purpose. We go to the party with a purpose. We go to school with a purpose. Well, most of the times. 
We go to job, to our jobs with a purpose most of the times. But somehow we come to church and there's no purpose behind us coming here. We, we almost just, we go through the motions and we don't really realize it. So we come to church and all we really do is, okay, it's Sunday. It's Sunday. And so what we do on Sunday, we get dressed and we go to church. This is what we do. And so we just go through the motion of coming to church. Never thought about why I'm going. It's just what I do. It's just what you do. You don't have to raise your hand, but think about that. You may have done that this morning. I'm going to church because it's what I do. If you come to church because it's what you do, you will never get anything out of church. And so you will continue to repeat that behavior, and then you will just start missing a little bit, missing a little bit, missing a lot. I don't need to go today. And we start telling ourselves, we start beginning to negotiate how important church is in our mind because at the end of the day, we never went with a purpose. And so nothing came to us. And so we blame church. And so we come to church without a purpose. But can I tell you today, if you don't get nothing else about what I'm saying, start to go to church with a purpose. When you decide you're coming to church, you got to come and say, Lord, talk to him before you come and, and, and begin to know why you're here. Talk to the Lord and let him know I'm going with a purpose, Lord. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something when I get to church. Mm. God is looking for communion. And participation. God is looking for communion and participation. He doesn't want you to come to church just to be here. But he wants you to come to church with a purpose. Ask yourself for a moment, what was the purpose that you came to church this morning? Why did you come to church this morning? Why are you in church this morning? Whether it's here or someplace else, wherever we are all over this world, wherever we go, why are we there? Thank you. Why are we coming to church? Sorry. This working? All right. I can go without the mic. You know I can. When I started teaching Bible study here, um, April of 2014, my wife know everybody know that started out. No, no mic. I just, let's sit down and talk. Maybe that's why I love sitting down and talk so much. I like to talk. Communion. Relationship. And not just anything. And so, God is looking for participation. And when you come to church, there must be participation. The same is true for church. We must have a reason why we go. Just like when we go to the restaurant, just like when we go to a party, the same is true. We must go with a purpose. We must understand that we can only accomplish the purpose for going when we participate. All right, you missed that. I'm going to give you time to get everybody's attention again. When you go somewhere with a purpose, 
in order to experience that purpose, you have to participate. What does that mean? We go to the restaurant, you got to eat. So there's, there's actions, there's activity in going to the restaurant. When you go to the party, you have to get into activity, doing things, engaging. You have to do something if you plan to accomplish the purpose. And so, if you come to church and you don't participate, you will never accomplish the purpose for coming. If you come to church and you just look at other people worship and you just hear me preach and you look around and when we say pray, you kind of just close your eyes or you bow your heads or something. If that's what you do, whatever you came for, well, you didn't know what you come for. So you'll leave out the same way. God is looking for participation. Tell somebody God is looking for participation. In fact, the reason God created man in the first place was to participate with him. You ready for scripture? When God created Adam, he brought all the animals to Adam and say, Adam, named them. Sister Suzette, you don't think the almighty God that created the earth, the world and everything in it, you don't think he could have named the animals? He could have named all the animals. But he said, Adam, you name the animals. Because he's looking for participation. I was telling the audiovisual crew the other day, I said, listen. Young people would talk about the audiovisual stuff. I said, listen. Whatever I want to do, I can put enough time and effort and study it and know how to do it. But I don't want to do it. I'm crazy to think I can do everything. I don't want to do everything. God ain't called me to do everything. And so the job of mine is to make sure everybody participate. <laughs> Getting quiet on me. And so God brought the animals to Adam or brought Adam to the animals and says, name them. He's saying, you're going to participate with me. I created the world. You name the animals. God could have named them because he's God and he created them. The reason one of the most basic needs of human being is to love and to be loved was because that's why we were created. We can play it off all we want. Tori, I'm having a conversation. Back to conversation. We can play it off all we want. Some of us don't know how to receive it. Some of us don't know how to give it. And so sometimes we might find ourselves in frustration and in turmoil because we don't know how to give it and we don't know how to receive it. But we were created to love and to be loved. Look at you looking at me. That's it. You want something deep? We were created to love and to be loved. That's all this is about. That's what God created us for. And so God created us to love. And to be loved. And so it's what's in us. And so everyone that's walking this earth, there's something in them that says, I want to be loved and I want to give love. I don't care how you want to act tough. I don't care what the exterior is. I know my God. 
So I'm not trusting how you behave. I'm not trusting how you give the look. I'm not trusting how you act. I just know God and God created his people to be loved and to give love. And so that's all of us. We have that in us. That's part of our DNA, to love and to give love. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Now, what happened? Our upbringings, all different kind of things happened in our life. And it, and it, and it, and it just kind of mess with how we're supposed to behave and how we're supposed to operate. Experiences, our history, the people that raised us, things that happened in our life that wasn't good. It got, it interfered with the purity of why we were created to love and to be loved. But at the, at the core, at the core of your heart, at the core of your soul, you want love and you want to give love. You want love and you want to give love. We have too many people that are barely or trying to do the bare minimum in God. A lot of people are trying to do the bare minimum in God. Whatever the bare minimum is that I can do so I can get by. What we talked about last Sunday, if you missed it, half-breed Christians. We want to do the bare minimum to get us by. Do you think God is pleased with that? Do you think God is pleased with you doing the bare minimum? If I can just just, just, just do enough so he can say okay. And I don't have to do all of that. I'm good. We show it in our relationships as well. We just want to do the bare necessity in order to say, all right. I'm in this relationship. God is not pleased with us trying to do the bare minimum. God wants us to fully engage. God wants us to fully participate, not barely participate, not kind of participate. God wants us to fully participate. How God must feel when we do the bare minimum. You, you thought it was okay to do the bare minimum just to say, well, I did. But you haven't thought about how God feels when you do the bare minimum. When he has done the maximum for you. Hmm. We were made for much more than just attending church and watching others pray and praise and worship and sing. How many of us came this morning and all we did was just watch others sing and watch other pray and watch them play the instruments and watch the baby cry and get distracted real easy? How many of us do that? We got to get determined, people. The Bible says in Jude that we must contend for the faith. There's going to be contention. There's going there's to be obstacles. And we're going to need to contend in order to make it. If everything is a distraction and everything comes our way, we get our eyes off Jesus. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? So, what am I trying to tell you this morning? God has more for you. And I'm trying to talk to you about the things that you don't want to distract you or to get a hold of you or to hinder you from what God has for you. 
God has a whole lot for you, but you can't let anything stop you from going after what you need, from having your relationship with God. When you are a spectator in church, you will, listen to this, this is very important. When you are a spectator in church, you will often try to reinterpret the word of the Lord to fit your own carnal thinking. We all come to church and when we talk to each other, we have different interpretation of what we heard. And we have them because we all have different lives that we're living and we're all experiencing different situations. And so we want the word to fit our situation. God is not here for you to fit him in. You don't fit God in. No, God is in control and God is the authority and he is the one that works. You don't fit God in and when you're trying to fit him in, you won't make it right. And so we come to church, some of us do, and all we're doing is we're looking for a way to interpret the word to fit our own thinking. Listen to this. When we're spectators. When you're a spectator, you will be cynical and critical of others. When you're a spectator, you will be cynical and critical of others. Can I give it to you in the natural? Oh, man, I can talk about this nonstop. If I'm engaging and I am participating with the Lord, I can never see what anybody else is doing. So how can I criticize? So here's wisdom. Somebody come up to you, Daryl, and says, yeah, and you notice so-and-so and so-and-so? No, I didn't notice. And just walk away in your mind and say, they was a spectator. They don't know what God just did. Don't say nothing to them. Don't say nothing. Don't make anybody upset. You're trying to love people and do right. But all you know, if they come to you and say, did you see so, 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 so? It means they were spectators, not participators. I don't need to see anything. When my, when, I'm, when my sight is fixed on Jesus and I'm deep into worship and I'm crying out, I'm praising, I'm worshiping, I can't see nothing. Can you see anything when you're worshiping God? Can you see anything when your eyes may be full of tears and you're just calling on the name of the Lord? Can you see anything? Because I can't. When the Holy Ghost is working me over, I can't see anything. And so a a spectator will be cynical and critical to others that are participating. Listen to this. A spectator will eventually kill their faith. Just being a spectator, you will kill your faith. I'm saying some things this morning that's important. I don't know if you're getting it. What do you mean by that? If all you do is be a spectator, if you started out with some faith, you're going to end up having none. You want Bible? Faith without works is dead. 
So if you have faith, but you never exercise it, you're going to lose it. You're going to stop believing that faith is really just to know and trust and believe God. You're, you're, you're going you're to lose that. Because you're going to spectate and remember, because you're spectating, there's no communion. There's no participation. And so when you're not communing with God, you're not participating with God, nothing is happening in your life. So you lose hope and you don't believe anymore because you didn't participate. That's all. It, just think about that. It all fell apart because you stopped participating and you were spectating. You mean that simple? Yes. It's that simple. Coming to church and not participating in the worship, in the praise, in honoring God, in the lifting of your voice, in dancing and praising and whatever you got to do to say, God, I'm here to give you the glory. I'm here to give you the honor. By not doing that, eventually you can be out of church. Man, that seemed unfair. I thought I came to church and listened quite clearly or quite intently. But I come to church and I paid attention. Coming to church and pay attention and not, not participate, you'll find yourself out of church. My goodness. That's deep stuff. You might, you, it seems simple, but it's right. A lot of people ain't leave church because they did. As a matter of fact, most of the time, most of the time, not all the time, when we make big mistakes, we normally try to get closer to Jesus. God help me, forgive me. We ball, you know. Oh God, I best not help me. So usually when we do big mess, we try to get reach God. So that's not what's going to take us out. What's going to take us out is the lack of participation. Just that simple. Just that simple. The lack of participation in communing with God is what gets us out of church. All right. I'm doing good on time. I'm almost there. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. I'm going to bring you familiar passages of scriptures and some things that you're familiar with, but just let me explain it to you the way, another way that will help you to understand participation and lack thereof. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought up the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. When I read this, I saw something I didn't see before. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. I missed that. Many, I just caught it. Whenever I was reading to put it together, I said, hold on. He had respect for Abel and his offering. All along, all we're thinking is the offering, right? Yeah, give the offering. But I got a lot out of that. You got to be right to bring the right offering. <laughs> you got to be right to bring the right offering. You, you, you can't try to bring a good offering, but you ain't right. It won't work. You got to be right to bring the right offering. So God had respect unto Abel and to his offering. And when you're right in your heart, you'll bring the right offering. Verse 4. No, verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offering. See it again? Unto Cain 
and his offering. It's telling us something about us. Oh, God help me. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Hmm. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with, his, with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against his brother, rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. God desires participation from Cain and Abel. Genesis chapter 4 verse 3 says, In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought forth of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Cain wanted a little religion, but he wanted it on his own terms. God don't play around. You can't come to church for a little bit of religion. God will not accept that. You might leave feeling good in your spirit that, oh, I went to church today. Oh, the preacher said this. Oh, I felt the spirit. You may be pleased with that, not the Lord. And so Cain wanted a little bit of religion, but he was like, on my terms, I don't have time for all that mess. All the other stuff y'all talking about, that's just too much. We always wondered a lot about the story about, you know, why God had this issue and all that stuff. But in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, it says, in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, it talks about the lamb which was slain before the foundation of the world. The lamb which was slain before the foundation of the world. That's what Revelation 13 and 8 talked about. Why am I bringing this up? Because it's telling you that God order was already instituted that only blood can remove sin. Only a blood sacrifice can remove sin. And so Cain wanted to give his own sacrifice. Help us, Jesus. There's some of us here today, we come to church to give our own little thing. Not what God requires. Think about Cain. Cain killed his brother. He killed his brother. All because he wanted to do his own thing. All because he didn't want to participate the way the Lord wanted him to participate. He wanted to participate just how he feel. Just how he wanted. That's how he wanted to participate. And so because of that, he ended up with a bad spirit. Because when both brothers brought their sacrifice to God, God approved one. And rejected one. Huh. I wonder sometimes we leave church and we feel empty. We blame it on the preacher. And not realize God rejected you. He ain't really preach. He ain't really preach. I was, he, he ain't really said much. He did say one good thing. Yeah, but I ain't really get nothing. I, I wonder if God rejected you because you gave what you wanted. You didn't participate how you needed to participate. And God said later for that, that half, that little half, lift your hand, that little half, wh whatever you gave me, I'm not accepting that. I'm not taking that. So, so you can have that and you can go about your business because I'm not accepting that. 
He has every right to say that, people. He has every right to say, I don't want your half lifting of your hand. I don't want your half little singing. I don't want your little half of your heart. I don't want nothing little from you. If you're not ready to give me all your heart and all your mind and all your soul, nobody worrying about how you sound when you sing. Just sing. Sing with all your heart. Sing with all your mind. Sing with all your strength. Sing with all your soul. That's what I want. I don't care how it sounds. And so if you don't give me everything, you're going to walk out of these doors empty. Now be mad at the preacher all you want. Be mad at anybody else you want to be mad at. But you didn't give what you were supposed to give. You did a cane. You gave what you want. Not blood sacrifice, but what you wanted. In order for blood to be given, life got to be taken. God wants your life. He wants your life, not with your little gifts. He wants your life. He wants everything. Not no little trinket. He wants your life. When I was up here Thursday, Holy Ghost spoke to me clearly. I said, oh, God, he's just heavy. And what the Lord said Thursday, if you read your Bible, if you read Ephesians, I think somewhere in chapter 4, it talked about Jesus when he was crucified. And when he got crucified, he was buried. But the Bible talked about him going to hell, descending in the lower parts of the earth and, and, and took the keys and made a show of the devil openly. And so we read that and we say, yeah, man, that's awesome. Well, Thursday night I'm teaching Bible study and the Holy Ghost says, do you know why I went down to the hells? Why I went down into the pit of hell? Why I went to hell? Because When God said, I'm going to die instead of you, he really meant that. He died so you wouldn't have to die, eternal damnation. But then he whispered in my ears and said, Wayne, you know I went, why I went to hell? Because that's where you was going to go if you did not repent of your sin and give your life to me. You was going to hell. So in order to me to truly liberate everybody that I said I died for, I had to go to hell too. So nobody can ever say I didn't do everything for them. I do. I did everything for every one of y'all. Not only did I let them kill me, not only did I let them crucify me, not only did I let them treat me any kind of way, but when I died, I went to hell because that's where you were going. That's where you were going to be taken and spend eternity. I went to hell so you would not have to go to hell. And you want to give him this when you come. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You think God's going to take that? So when you leave here empty, just understand I didn't give him what I was supposed to give him. And probably you'll make up in your mind. Guess what? Help me, Holy Ghost. He said to Cain, see, God is a good God. See, I can tell you about how deep God is and, and God don't play games. But I can also tell you how good he is and how merciful he is and how loving he is. Because when Cain messed up, he said, Cain. Why are you getting mad? If you do right, I got you. God's saying that to us every day. I might get upset with you because you don't do right, and I might chastise you, but I'm going to give you the chance to do right again. The question is, when will that grace and well will that mercy run out? But the bottom line is God's going to give you the chance to do right again. He said to Cain, dude, 
Listen, no need to get angry because I didn't accept your gift. So when you leave here and you didn't get what you were supposed to get, no need to be angry. Just come back next week and say, I'm going and I'm going to do something. Just come back next week and say, God, I know what I did last week. I know how I messed up, but I'm coming back next week and I'm not giving you this. I'm giving you this. I love the Lord. I don't know what to do with him sometimes. <laughs> you too, I don't know what to do with him. I really don't. He's something else. And so God rejected Cain, but he accepted Abel. I want you to know today that God has more for you. And I'm going to give you three different portions of scriptures, and it will Deal with every place where you are in your life so you understand God has more for you. And so I'm going to be closing in probably about seven minutes. And so here it is. In Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10 talks about the story of Cornelius. I love that story. One of my favorite Bible stories. It's real. Um, you know, we say stories because we read them. We weren't there. And so I love this in, in, in Acts chapter 10. It talks about Cornelius. Cornelius was a faithful Christian man. If you read verse 1, it says he was just a devout man. He prayed every day. He fasted. He gave alms. He was just a good Christian man. Cornelius was a good Christian man. Right? But little did we know, Cornelius wasn't baptized in Jesus' name, and Cornelius didn't have the Holy Ghost. Apostolic people that's been living for God for a long time, give people a chance. Stop giving people a hard time about where they are in God. Stop telling them that they ain't did this and they ain't did that. Give them a chance. Cornelius lived for God for a good little while. We don't know how long, but all we know, the Bible says he prayed every day. He fasted. He loved his family. He gave alms. He did a lot of great things. But one day while he was praying, God gave him a vision. God spoke to him and said, and said, send for one Peter from Joppa. He, God, God, here you go again. God didn't even tell him what was going on. God said, just send for Peter from Joppa. And he sent his men, go get Peter from Joppa. And while Peter was on the rooftop praying, God had to tell his precious self, boy, I'm getting ready to send a Gentile to you. One that's not a Jew. I'm getting ready to send him to you. So don't you in any way act crazy. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you a vision about some things here. And God showed him, whatever God has blessed, don't you call it curse. And so God showed him all this, the vision of the animals and all that stuff. And he, So what he was basically telling him is don't be prejudiced. And so finally, Peter heard a knocking at the door. And they say, Peter, some men are here for you. Peter, come down. And... Uh, Cornelius' men started talking to Peter and says, hey, Cornelius, he wanted us to come. God told him to send for you and went. And so Peter came to Cornelius' house. Cornelius was about to bow down to Peter, and Peter said, Mm-mm, don't do that. We're not God. We're just God's men. Don't bow down to us. We ain't supposed to bow down to no man. We ain't supposed to bow down to no statues. And so now we pick up in Acts chapter 10, verse 44. I gave you all from 1 to 43. I just gave you. Now here go 44. (laughs) While Peter yet spake these words, 
the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, talking about the Jews that had been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. They were astonished that this Gentile man was receiving the Holy Ghost. Hmm. As many as came with Peter, all the apostolics, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard, meaning the apostolic people, they heard the Gentiles speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Why did I bring that story up for you? Because God has more for you. And if you're here today and you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're not baptized in Jesus' name. God is not giving you a hard time. He's just letting you know, I got more for you. That's the next step. You can be faithful to me, and you could have been living right and doing right, uh, better than some of these people that got the truth and been doing the truth. You, you, you could have been doing that, but I always have more for you. And so if you haven't been born again, you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, I've got more for you. So why don't you come and have that? Because God always wants to give you more. Don't you let anybody intimidate you make you feel uncomfortable because you don't speak in tongues yet. You have not yet speak in to- spoken in tongues or you have not yet been baptized in Jesus' name. I'm here today to tell you that God has more for you. That's the next step for you. God wants to bring you there. So I want you to know God has more for you. No matter where you are, God has more for you. Matthew. Matthew chapter 25. And I'm done. I'm done. God has more for you. But you're going to have to participate. Cornelius participated, didn't he? The Bible said he prayed every day. The Bible said he fasted. The Bible said he gave alms. He was a good man. He was devout. He loved people. He was participating every day. When Peter came to Cornelius' house, there was a whole bunch of people just at the house waiting for Peter to come. Meaning, Cornelius had respect among the people that he was loving and the life that he showed them. And so, they all was there. Peter, Cornelius saw it. Boom. All his people was there. Peter came preaching them. They got baptized. They received the Holy Ghost. Now, here's something different. Matthew chapter 25, verse 27 says, I'm not going to give you the whole score, the whole story, but here's what I'm giving you. Well, I've got to give you a little bit of story. The talents. God gave one one talent, gave another two talents, gave another five talents. All of us have talents that God has given us. All the great talents that we have, God gave them to us. All these people that you hear singing, whether gospel or singing out in the world, but they just sound good, God gave them that gift. Yes. And so all of you have talents in here. But God needs you to do something with it. And so the one that had one talent, he buried it, did nothing with it. Man, I'm holding on to this one talent. I'm going to mess up with that. The one that had two, he did something with it. And the one that had five, he did something with it. So the one that had one, God rejected him. Because again, He wants something for nothing. Do we want something for nothing as Christians? 
Are we always trying to get something for nothing? So the one with one talent wanted something for nothing. He wanted to get something, but he didn't want to invest anything. He didn't want to participate. So here we go. We're at now 27th verse, Matthew 25. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchanger, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him. Talking about the one that had one talent. Because he did nothing with it. Take therefore the one talent from him and give it unto him which had ten talents. So God is letting you know if you got talent, you do nothing with it, he's going to take it from you. And give it to somebody that's doing something with the talent that he gave them. Ooh, God, man, I thought God is loving. I thought God is kind. Would he do that? Sure he would. That's how much he desires participation. He didn't give you talent for you to just sit on it. He didn't give you talent for you to just chill. He didn't give you talent for you to say, look at what I have. God desire participation and communion. And so he tells him, take it away. And he says in verse 29, for unto everyone that had shall be given. And he shall have abundance. But from him that had not shall be taken away even that which he had. You can start out with some stuff, but if you keep it and you don't participate, you're going to find yourself with nothing. You can be the most talented person in the world, but if you do nothing with it, you'll find yourself saying, what happened? Why I can't sing like I used to? Why I can't uh, play like I used to? Why I can't do the things that God has blessed me to do? Why? Because you did nothing with it. Ephesians 4, verse 11. The verse 11 says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why did he give the gifts to the church? Verse 12 says, for the perfecting of the saints. Anybody in here perfect? Anybody in here perfect? Yeah. So God has more for you. He's trying to get you to perfection. God is trying to get you to perfection. So no matter where you are in your walk with God, God is trying to get you to perfection. And if you ain't perfect, it means there's more for you to do. There's more ways to go for you to get to your destiny. And so he says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man or woman, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. I refuse to be a spectator because God has more for me. If you don't want to get frustrated, with where you are in God, you have to refuse to be a spectator. Spectating is the thing that gets you in trouble. Spectating is the thing that gets you to lose out on your relationship with God. Until we become participators, we can lose out on our relationship with God. Will you stand? I hope today will help you to realize the importance of participation. This is not a church thing. 
This is a kingdom thing. Somebody say this is a kingdom thing. It's not a church thing. You don't come to church. It's not about the local church where you go to. It's about the kingdom of God. Will you participate in it? Will you commune with God? Will you participate in the kingdom of God? For we will not be able to participate. We will not be able to receive our blessing if we don't participate. In order to receive your blessing, in order to receive what God has in store for you, you're going to have to be a participator. We can't watch the next person pray. We can't watch the next person worship. We cannot receive the Holy Ghost by being a spectator. Many people have come to the altar and say they want the Holy Ghost, but they don't participate. And so they never receive the Holy Ghost because there must be participation. What do I mean by that? There must be worship. There must be praise. And so when you worship and praise the Lord, you are participating, and then the Lord will respond in reciprocation by giving you. So you give, and God gives. When you give worship, God gives back to you. It's a reciprocation thing. And if we're going to make it in God, and we're going to grow in God, and we're going to have all that God has for us, it must be a participation thing. We can't worry about what anybody else do. We're going to just have to worry about, are we participating with God? Is he knocking on your door? And if he is, will you open the doors of your heart and let him in? And let him sup with you and you with him. Will we just take a couple moments and just worship the Lord? Will we just take a couple moments and just talk to him, worship him, praise him, honor him? Jesus, you alone are worthy. You alone are worthy of all the praises, all the glory, and all the honor. Uh, I bind every spirit right now, Father. Every spirit that will hinder any person from reaching you, from touching the hem of your garment. I bind those spirits in every work of the enemy that tries to keep us away from reaching you. In the name of Jesus. Somebody go ahead and worship him. You have an opportunity right now to participate. You have an opportunity right now to not leave out of these doors empty. Let God have his way. Let God do what he wants to do in you. If God hasn't done anything in your soul as yet, won't you give it one more shot? Won't you give it one more try? Won't you give him one more opportunity to do what he wants to do in your life? Father, have your way today. We want to experience your presence one more time. God, we want you to speak to us. We will hear. We will open up the heart, or the doors of our heart that you may come in. Speak to us, oh God, that we will know what it is that you're requiring of us. Lord Jesus, you are worthy. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord Jesus, we adore you and praise you and magnify your name. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Give God your heart right now. Give him your soul. No more holding back from God. He went to hell for you and came back. He died for you and rose. He gave his life and ascended 
and sit on the throne even now. Why don't you give your heart to him? Give your mind, give your soul to him. Come on, let's worship the Lord in this place just for a few moments. Oh, give him all your heart. Give him all your soul. Give him all of your mind. Come on, lift your hands unto the Lord. Lift your hands. Don't bring them halfway. 